so bougie. Um, I'm super jealous of Voice of Vegas. We're going to talk about that. Your your new video podcast you do. Is it a vlog? What are we calling that? Uh, I'm officially calling it, and I've gone back and forth on this because do you, do you do you you Facebook a little bit much? I don't know how much of a social. So there's a guy named Nas on Facebook. N A S. He's a world traveler. He also also a famous rapper. You know, I don't really know the the culture that much, but anyway. <laughs> Nas, maybe the most famous rapper of all time, but okay, let's go. And I even watched uh, the not the same person, by the way. Not the same person. No. Um. He really got famous on Facebook for making these one-minute videos, but he literally travels the entire world inputting. He's he's uh, Palestinian, so he inputs himself into different cultures and makes like a pretty comprehensive one-minute video about the culture and and has like you know tons of tons of followers. But I strayed from only having the only on YouTube for a while to where I posted a separate video on on Facebook, and the engagement on Facebook is probably three times what I'm getting on YouTube. And higher quality, better, like better type of engagements, people that know you and care about you. Yeah, definitely. So Voice of Vegas started, you know, the new year came around and um, I follow some pretty famous like vloggers on YouTube, you know, like there's a guy I followed named Peter McKinnon. I think I've talked to you about him before. He's fantastic. So if you want any, he does a lot of film stuff, but he also does like he's a photographer that he's done a lot of stuff for film. Um, but started his YouTube channel, I think 11 months ago now and has a million and a half subscribers. Wow. That's a lot. His first his his, and I, I love people who keep their old stuff before they were crazy famous on there. So he had three videos on there, just random like vlogs, like nothing crazy. I think he shot a wedding. And then the first one that like took off and skyrocketed was he had, I think nine, nine camera hacks in a minute. Right. I still haven't done a great job of this just from a time perspective and honestly just because I'm I'm too lazy. Like I need to step it up in this regards. But like the minute he posted that video, he wrote down 200 or so websites that he follows a lot or that are related to tech, like TechCrunch, mm-hmm. Verge, all the, you know, Petapixel, all those kind of websites and just emailed them, right? And said, hey, check out my video, whatever. And like that's where he got a lot of traction from that one first video. And ever since then, you know, he's he's now been buddies with Casey Neistat, which is arguably like the best vlogger of all time. Your favorite. Yeah, I don't you know, I think he makes interesting content. I don't love everything he does, you know, obviously. But um, Peter is more about like the the f- cinematography in his vlogs, like all of his B-roll cuts are, you know, it goes from 16 by nine to a crop, you know, two by three, you know, ratio all 120 frames a second like is beautiful you know so like he he's what he does he does so very well um but like i'm i i started my channel in july and and you know i by no means have that many followers i think i have like close to like 80 subscribers maybe if that yeah so i was really at the new year i was like what what do i want this to be like the best video i've done so far is my my you know why i bought a two-year-old camera has 1100 views respectable but nothing crazy you know i have a buddy that's also manager in Vegas. He does some tech stuff, but like he did a, a review of two ND filters for the Mavic Pro and he has like 22,000 views on that. Like that's his, you know. Mm. So I think you'll start to see more of that stuff come out. Like I, I'd love to do a series like called My Favorite Things, you know, like the lens I use, the card reader I use, the light I use, the mic I use, like and all why I like those things, you know. Um, they'll, and they'll probably get some traction but like honestly one of the things you said a while ago um stuck with me about um i think it it was in regards to my writing and you were talking about how if you ever do produce stuff like that or you you do take the time to write it's something that you want your kids to read you know if you're gone someday you being a hypochondriac you think you're gonna die tomorrow so like you want to produce stuff that when you are not here anymore your kids will have a legacy of, of what your thoughts are and what you know what you value and um i could start a channel that you know is typically like reviewing like every tech thing in the world and get you know hundreds of thousands of views but like at the end of the day is that going to matter in 10 years and i I don't think it will right because you know as well i do technology is constantly changing i wanted to tell the story of people that are immediately in my surrounding tribe so to speak and help 
not rebrand Vegas, but like every single person I know thinks of Vegas, they think of, you know, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, Sin City. party city. Yeah. It's Sin City, you know, like, but like, that's not the community I live in, nor have I known since 2013 moving here, you know? the community that I'm trying to push out into the world is what I'm, I'm telling the story behind them. I'm telling the story behind joy and, you know, her valiant efforts to try to help people that are in the sex industry and who are in, involved in sex trafficking. And, um, the Las Vegas rescue mission, the guy I interviewed literally came through the rescue mission as a homeless person, like five years ago. And now he's a member of our church and he has a great family and all that kind of stuff. So like those are, and plus like the, I like, doing films and i like you know promoting stuff but like there's something about like the interview setup like i just love getting somebody in front of a camera letting them tell a story single light you know like maybe filling you with some b-roll that's colorful and that kind of stuff but like I, I i don't know i'm weird like that i just want to put somebody in front of a camera and have them tell their story and like that's what i love um so like that's that's what i'm trying to do and like already i can point to um, and this is probably a video I'll put out soon, but like uh, each video I have done something wrong mm -hmm. and I've learned from, but, and you're talking like the, the countless amount of hours, like I've even purchased like Phil Bloom's like masterclass. It's like 300 bucks. Like it's a 10, 10 course thing. It's about an hour per video. Like he has an entire hour video on how to interview people, an entire video on slow motion, an entire video on drones. And like, I purchased that and watched it all. But even me spending countless hours and consuming that but putting into practice, I've still made mistakes and I wouldn't have learned those if I hadn't have done this whole series. So like, I want to put up a follow-up video, of like what I've learned so far, just filming people for a month, you know? Yeah. So like the first interview with me and Dominique, um, we were both wearing like smart labs, you know, she has like a Sennheiser lab that plugs to her phone. I have the road. And like, it was a pain to try to edit the interview in logic because the mics were picking up both so like my mic was picking up her and mm. her mic was picking up me. So like I literally had in, in logic, every single time she was talking, I'd have to mute my track because otherwise it'd show up on my mic track. Like it shouldn't, it, it should be more specific to me, but like the channels, it, the mic was just so sensitive that like it, I had to mute each channel every single time, you know, the other person was talking. It was, it was a pain. So like that was, you know, the first thing I learned. So even when you strip silence... So I haven't, I haven't learned that yet. Mm, got it. That's going to blow your mind. I think it will. Um, it's like the simplest thing on the planet that will break your brain because it just think visually, right? You, if you strip silence right now, that, that soliloquy just went on was what? Four minutes, right? Sure. But there are seven, 10 times in that in which I, yep. Um, you know, agreed or make a comment that when you strip silence, what you see is you talking and then all of my little ticks are in there and it's just the easiest, like, take that out. Yeah. And and it's funny because, you know, I listen to an obnoxious amount of podcasts. I mean, it's kind of frightening, right? Sure. But now that I know that people do that, I know the ones that do it because when I listen to their podcast, I'm like, oh, that's why you guys never talk over each other. It's obvious. Like, yeah it'll it'll blow your mind plus like um i went on a video shoot with one of my buddies here he shoot, shoots for showtime sports and the audio guy did this weird thing um at the very begin at the end of the, the recording he goes he goes i want everybody in the room to be silent for 10 seconds mm -hmm. it's 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 called getting a room sample and basically i think that helps audio processors process background noise like fans of my hard drives or whatever Yep. Um, to get rid of that room noise. And I just, I just haven't had the time. I haven't made the time to, to learn that yet. Yeah. There's a couple things that are really interesting. Jason Snell, uh, does this really great, um, I'll find it for you. It was on a podcast he was doing where he talked about this crazy software uses. It's very expensive. I mean, it's like a $500 program. Yeah. That's literally what it does. So it, you know, you give it enough time to to adhere to the room mm -hmm. and then it just automatically takes that all out of the equation. Right. And then, you know, Mark Arment has two pieces of software that are both interesting, right? So forecast, which I don't know if you've downloaded yet, um, but I did and I'll use it when I edit this podcast to mm -hmm. put chapters in. And I, I just, I, I'm obsessed with chapters. I think that's super smart. Um, and the other one he does, uh, he doesn't have an, I don't know what the name is. It's not public yet, 
but it's the one that fixes the, you know, the eventual gap that you and I are going to have throughout the course mm-hmm. of this podcast where your audio and my audio aren't going to be lined up in the end. Right. Which is, isn't a big deal in a 45 minute podcast, but it's a really big deal in a two hour one with six people. Sure. Um, so that, uh, yeah, super interesting. Right. So that was the lesson of the first one. The second one, um, same thing using my smart lab, but I was also using one of the church's smart labs. And I just happened to be using the churches and like did not pick up her voice at all. And I'd already mic'd her up and everything. So luckily we had an extra boom over the top of her. Not nearly as good a quality as a smart lab, but like that's the one I had to use the audio off of because I wasn't going to make a fool out of myself and say like, oh, your mic's not working after I already mic'd her up. Right. Because we, you know, we're trying to present ourselves as like we know what we're doing and I don't have that great of a relationship with her. Like she's just a partner for the church, you know? So I relied heavily on only the boom mic and I had to clean up a lot of the audio in Logic. And ultimately, like I've gotten pretty good at Logic and making. You very quickly become an editor. (laughs) Yeah. But ideally, that's not, you know, what you want to do. The third one's stupid. So like the, the one down at the rescue of mission, I've, so I, I shoot with that Joby gorilla pod for like vlogging a lot. Yeah. And then I go back and forth to my Manfrotto, um, like big tripod, the, pl- the plates that mounts onto the camera are different. And that's the one thing I forgot to bring that night. So like that entire interview of him, me filming him is me holding my camera on top of my tripod head with no head mounted, trying to hold it as still as I possibly could. Cause I forgot my mounting plate. I was, a, it's just an oversight, right? Like you, it's not on the, the checklist I had before I left the house that night and I just missed it. Wow. And then finally, um, this last one with joy, th- this is a really, really technical thing, but like, um, so I'm trying to, I don't know how to illustrate this cause I don't know which way I'm pointing, but, um, so I wanted the cupcake girl's logo in her office to be over her shoulder. Right. But as a result, she should have been looking across the logo into the camera as opposed to she's looking, she's at the far left third of the screen looking off the left third as opposed to looking off the right third of the screen. So it's awkward because she should have been looking across the long part of the frame for the interview as opposed to this, this awkward short side. Does that make sense? Yep. So, and that was just, an, again, like I set up everything before she got there like half an hour early and I, I just did not, I was thinking I want the logo in, in the, you know, in the the frame with her in it, but I didn't think about which way she'd be looking at the logo. Mm. So like, it's just, again, like it's stuff you learn by doing it, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully it'll help people. So tell me now that you have a note that has check boxes with all the things you must bring. Yeah. I, I need to make that. So I'd love to hear like any feedback you have, like on voice of Vegas or like how I can make it more interesting or, what what your thoughts are so far if if you have even watched them or whatever yeah let me watch cupcake first so i saw that one i think today or yesterday i saw it yeah uh and i meant to watch it before we talked but before i give you any feedback on it you know i think the premise is great it was like almost like humans of new yorkish that's what it's funny i'm glad you i'm glad you know that because that's what i was going to allude to is like humans of new york is definitely uh you know much broader more exploded version of what I'm doing, you know, yeah. like there's actually a humans of Las Vegas that there was a photographer that went around, you know, for a while and did it. But, um, she was only doing like photograph a random stranger and get their story in text form, like not video. So mm-hmm. I have at least two, if not three more that I've lined up to do. Um, I'm trying, and part of it for me is like the discipline of creating. Right. So like, right. I feel most fulfilled when I create something every day of my life whether it's stuff for the church, whether it's my own stuff, whether it's a video or a moment, you know, memory I can encapsulate in my kids, you know, like, uh, Emma kiss, like start learning to kiss people, you know, for the first time, you know, the other day, um, like my wife has given me a lot of great feedback on like, keep like, she'll fund my tech, you know, urge as long as I'm using it, yeah. you know? So like, um, before when I had, I think my Canon 5D Mark three, I invested all this money in the camera and the lens and all that kind of stuff. And I, I literally wouldn't use it for like weeks at a time. But now that I'm, you know, have pretty consistently just been creating, I, I, I don't know. Like I follow a guy that actually is pretty well known in, in Vegas here. Um, he's more like trying to 
maximize the YouTube platform for like income for people. Mm -hmm. And he gave a talk recently. He goes, you know, kudos to anybody who starts editing at 1030 when they put their kids to bed and say goodnight to their wife. And like, that's, that's when their, their editing creation starts, you know, and like I've resigned myself to the fact that like, I am never going to be a person that is okay coming home from work, sitting in the couch, grabbing the clicker and watching TV for three hours. Like that's just not who I, that's the fiber of my being yep. as a father figure for my kids is not that. Me too. So, um, if I resign myself to that fact and know that about myself, that to me, like I might as well be creating something meaningful. And for me, a lot of days right now, it's, you know, the kids go to bed at seven. I try to kick with my wife for a couple hours. We watch reruns of the office for the third time, which is the best thing ever to watch. Uh, and then the editing starts, you know, and I'm, I edit till about 11 and pretty much when 11 o'clock hits, like I'm, I'm done for the day. Well, and I think that's the biggest compliment that I have in it is it would be very easy to look at what would I do to make the biggest platform or to, you know, have the most viewers, right. To make the most money. Um, but, but I think the simplest way that we should probably all go about this in life is to just find something that's the most connected to what we do every day. Yeah. And then find a way to share that with the world. And, right. and when you can do that, like I'm in that same boat as you, right. I don't, I watch one show two a year, maybe. Uh, every once in a while, I'll get a little Game of Thrones hook. So that's three, but like that—that's it. Um, and most nights, it's for me to come home and cook and clean, and that's how I—that's my love language, right? I—I I, I do it through food, yep. Um, and and time with my kiddos, and then the night is when I have work and other things that consume me. Uh, but that's when my brain is is going. Uh, now, yep. I, I was talking to my wife about this. Like, I really want to make this year about switching it to the morning. Because I genuinely believe if I could get that same amount of sleep, but go to bed at nine o'clock and wake up at the joke I made is college kids stay up late and CEOs wake up early. Like, yeah, they all sleep the same though. Like, sure. There's just a thing about doing it before the sun's up, not after the sun went down that I want to get to this year. Um, but I love that. Like, I love that. That's how you're putting it out there. Obviously the next logical thought process is, so what happens when you run out of people at your church? And and how will you then get people to be interested in this? Right. And I think there's this really interesting, uh, Adam Carolla has a podcast called Take a Knee that's like a, you have to pay money for, but um, it's basically like a one hour to two hours sit down with someone about how they got to where they are. And um, what is the guy? He's a producer and he's friends with Ron Howard. And he makes a ton of movies with him. Name starts with a G. The guy that I'm talking about he, you know, he's a famous Hollywood producer, and he was talking about when he was 17 years old, he just started showing up at people's work, uh, famous people in Hollywood, and just saying, can I interview you? Hmm. And he would interview them and write down what they said. And he did it for a couple of reasons. Like, he wanted to learn from them and steal from the greats, right? Right. And he found commonality, obviously, as you always do in the people that are the, the best in their industry. But... Beyond that, it was also a skill building moment of like, he learned to talk to people. He learned to talk to people he didn't know. Yeah. And he became kind of famous in a weird way. And I think, so some of that will naturally solve itself if what you're doing takes off in a way, like people will then start to come to you. Right. The thing I want to, at least as your friend, help you the most is the courage of like, no, 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 you should be emailing everyone to, to join it. Like, Every celebrity that lives anywhere near Vegas, you should be trying to have Mike Tyson interviewed on that one. <laughs> and it sounds really stupid, but like what will end up happening is inevitably someone will say yes. Right. And then that's when that moment happens where a lot of people start saying yes and you actually get to the fruits of your labor. Yeah. So, so I think you're right in doing that. And I think it's funny that you pointed out like the, I think of the Casey List thing about the cars, mm -hmm. you know, that each time he's learned something from the way he filmed that. Yeah. Of course you're going to do that. Like, hopefully 30 years from now, you still film something and you're still mad about one frame that didn't go right. Right. That is the thing I remember the absolute most about going with my dad. We were at NBC. He was an editor, right? I was watching him do his job. And I could not be more sure that I didn't want to do a job than the three hours I spent watching him do his. Sure. Of like, oh my God, that looks awful. But I, but I remember... He was editing this piece for Access Hollywood, right? And it was a 
you know, whatever, like a four minute piece. Mm -hmm. But he must have spent 30 minutes on these three frames. Sure. He couldn't decide what color to make the frame to have it lead in to feel the best. And he would play it for me with a white frame and with a black frame and with like a kind of an off colored frame. Yeah. And he would just look at it like, I don't, gosh. And I remember thinking like, wow, I don't care at all, but I am so glad you do. Right. I, I really, I'm glad there's people like you that see font. Sure. I wish I did. I don't, but I appreciate it. And I appreciate when I send you a wedding program and you edit it and suddenly I'm like, oh yeah, that looks way better. I don't know why it looks <laughs> better, but it is yeah. obviously better. Um, and so I think, I think that's one of the really cool things and I, and I'm really glad you're doing it. I think it's really nifty. One of the hardest, it's a quote I actually have on my phone right now and my background says done is better than perfect. And that's like the hardest thing. That's been the hardest thing about the whole process because like yeah. my schedule right now is I try to have everything posted by Thursday morning, like nine or 10. And I, I made the judgment like last week I posted just, uh, Hey, it's voice of Vegas week three. I, I literally told my wife, I'm like, okay, so I could stay up another three hours and produce because my parents were in town. I didn't have time to edit that week. I didn't feel comfortable. Like peace out for two hours. I'm going to go edit this video while you guys are, you know, here, you know, for a week trying to, you know, connect with us. I was like, I could either edit for three hours or I could skip tomorrow. She goes, you got to put up something. So that's what I just put up something with James. I'm like, I'm going to spend some time with this little guy this week. Voice of Vegas will continue next week. And like that, that is the done is better than perfect. Like, and that's, that's the hard muscle that I have to go against because like, I want everything to be perfect. You know, you have to put something out in the world and it's, it's okay because most of the people will watch that video and never know that that logo is in the wrong spot and that it doesn't look the way you intended. Yeah. And they'll only know two years from now when it looks right, that just, this is very good. I mean, I bet if you went, well, do it. I mean, have you ever listened to Hypercritical? No. So one, you definitely should. So again, podcast problem, but yeah, I, I went through the whole hundred episodes, right? So of course it's, it's Syracuse and it's Dan Benjamin. A hundred episodes? And he did 100 episodes because it's Syracuse, so he wouldn't do any more than a hundred. It's where the toasters come from. So Hypercritical was this podcast and the the joke in hypercritical is the opening line to it is that nothing is so perfect. It can't be complained about. That's where Marco, that's why Marco says that all the time. And it is literally where John Syracuse beyond his OS 10 reviews mm-hmm. where he got famous was this podcast where he would just pick a topic like the TiVo remote and he would just go for an hour. Tear, tear it apart. Absolutely. Yeah. Because he's John Syracuse. And it's phenomenal because you realize how good he is now. Mm-hmm. because of a hundred episodes of he's still very good then mm-hmm. but it's um it's like unskilled complaining and now he can pull it off in 30 seconds right and he can cut something down to its knees that quickly because he honed that skill sure and i think it's great it's so true because there's a pod it, you ever heard of an author named john acuff no he started a recent podcast called the creative slide um, he has only has two episodes so, so far, but like, and he's, um, he screenshotted it, like the podcast results, like on iTunes or whatever. And like, it's, it was Tim Ferriss, um, one other podcast, I forget what it is. And his was like the top three for and he only has one. He had one episode out and wow. he, and like, wasn't using fancy mics. Like, and like, you can tell audio is horrible, but like, you know, pe- people, to your point, it's not all about the quality, you know, all the time. It's, it's about the content. Content's king. Anyway, to close out, I guess, the Voice of Vegas topic, I think uh, that I have thought about, you know, what happens when I run out of people. A, changing lane. Like, that's why I want to do season one, right? And ultimately, I got the inspiration from um, the format, at least, from a, a girl named Sarah Dietschy. Um, Pretty interesting but totally like millennial youtuber story like she started out she dropped out of college started her own youtube channel and started um what's called she called creative spaces tv 
And she did exactly just that, where she went around similar to what I'm doing, but only interviewed people who are creative people in their field, photographers, audio engineers, that kind of people. And like, it, that's where she blew up, you know? And um, that's how I kind of patterned off of, but like only if, if I do season one and it's 10 episodes, yeah, maybe, maybe leave it on the shelf for six months, come back to it. But like the next iteration that I've been thinking in my mind is like, okay, so I use the core group of people I first started with and then ask them for recommendations of who they would suggest I talk to next. Um, that way I have their mutual connection that I've already established with them, but then that's when the circle grows. But to your point, like celebrity status would be, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. And again, and I guess celebrities even the wrong concept as much as just like influencers. Yeah. Uh, interesting in the community, right? Like, yeah, it it should not be above your thought process to go to the governor and say, you know what, I, I want the governor, the mayor, I want someone of substance to be on this, right? Because they want that too, right? Like they want a space sure. to be able to tell their story, and so I think the people that you know, what I've at least been able to gather by every ridiculous podcast and book I read about the people that end up making it doing something like that are the folks that just said, yeah, I called the mayor. Right. What, what made you think to call the mayor? Well, because why not? Why, would, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst thing they're going to do? Say no? Right. Sure. Why not offer it? And I, and I think that's where it could be really something cool. Okay, so we don't run out of time. We got to talk cameras. So where do you, where do you want to start on this, this camera talk? Okay, we're going to go first things first. Did you purchase a camera yet? It's being delivered tomorrow. Okay. And you bought the A7R3. Correct. Okay. So first, I would like to understand why you chose to buy the A7R3 over the A7 III, over the A7R2 that you already own, over the Canon 5D Mark III. How did you get here? So, I mean, it all comes back to your recommendation. Give me the license to, to pay the purchase. I hope that is not the reason you bought it. It's, it's all your influence. It's it. That's awful. It's an awful reason. From the amateur photographer that just likes buying cool shit. That's a terrible reason. That's it. And likes to spend money. Uh, <laughs> so there is a little bit of a timing issue that has played into this. So um, Sony right now is in the middle of their trade-in event. So it ends March 31st. So as of right now, before March 31st, they're offering, if you trade in the vow, you know, your, your prior camera, my camera, the A7R Mark II, they will not only give you up to 75% of its original value, but also they're discounting the, the R3 by $300. Wow. Yeah. So instead of paying $31.98 for it, I'm paying $28.98. What's the math on that? Yeah. And, and so $28.98 takes the price down, you know, from $31 to $28. And then hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get at least a grand out of my A7R Mark II. Mm -hmm. um, so my total out-of-pocket cost would be around, you know, 1800 bucks. If So it's all about, you know, um, my buddy Dave has been getting, getting into cars, and he's all about resale value. Like, I, I buy a car because I'm not a mechanic, and I hate, you know, car repairs give me aneurysms. But it's the it's longevity. But him, he's all about the resale value. So he, when he buys a car, he's only thinking about how much can I use it for two to three years and sell it for maybe a grand or less than I paid for it. And that's, that's how he operates. So for me, for this, I know there's a depreciating value, you know, in my camera and I bought it used. I didn't buy a full retail price. I already bought it like a good four or $500 off what, you know, somebody brand new would have bought it, which I thought was a good deal. So the, the 31st coming up, kind of gave me a good, you know, ending point to say, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now and not, you know, later. And and now is that deal on Sony.com? Where Where is that deal offered? It's on, it's on Sony.com, but it's on, it's through also all the major retailers like B&H, Adorama. Yeah. Okay. Adorama is one of the only, I think you, I can't remember if you texted me this or Jimmy did, the guy I work with. Um, Adorama is one of the ones that gives the best resale value back for your old gear mm -hmm. um, versus like I went down to BNC, a local camera shop here in town. They were going to give me like 700 bucks for my A7. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's so stupid. So called up Adorama. I said, hey, like, I can't be without a camera for a while. I just had a newborn. Like, is there any way I can go ahead and buy the R3, have it shipped here, 
then ship you back my old camera. You do the evaluation on it and then retroactively credit me not only the trading value for my old camera, but also the discount on the R3. They said, yeah, that's not a problem. We're, we'll do it for you. So that's why I went that direction. That's great. So, okay. So there's a, a timing standpoint. Timing standpoint. Why else? That's not, a, that's not a good enough reason. Not sold yet. Yeah. So now let's talk about other camera manufacturers first. And then we'll get into like the two main, the hardest decisions I was going to make. Yeah, we can cover it with other camera manufacturers suck, but like, that's fine if you want to elaborate. They don't, but like, so Canon would obviously be the likely candidate, you know, I'm I'm done with micro four thirds. Like I I don't, the lens, you can argue lens selection, but like, I just didn't find a lot of good quality height. Like there's one lens for Panasonic and that's the 42.5 Leica. Yep. That is the lens to buy. And that's the best lens you can get for it. You can, we can debate that, but like that, that is the main lens. That's why you would buy that platform. Sure. And you wouldn't go APS-C. Wouldn't go APS-C. Um, even though like. Even though the 4K 60 frames a second, like from a video perspective. Right. Which is what you do. Right. APS-C has this incredible advantage. Incredible advantage. However, so you're talking about with the GH5 or what? Sure. Yeah. GH5 going. Yeah. GH5. My same argument is with the GH4. Like I, I could not get good enough pictures out of the GH4 to justify the video being that good. Okay. So like the debate that I, when I got my, my A7R Mark II, I was like, I, I had to make a choice. Do I want to buy a cinema camera mm-hmm. and a photography camera and have two bodies? Or do I want to spend potentially a little bit less or a little bit more actually and have everything in one body? And I had to make the decision at the time, like I want everything at this stage of my life, this stage of what I'm doing, I want everything in one body. So let me ask the question different just because I want to make sure I get there. Sure. So we're, we're two years from now and the world hasn't changed that much. APS-C still has the best video um, right. and full frames are, are delightful for photos. Yeah. And, and your Voice of Vegas vlog vlog has 1.3 million viewers. Sure. You're owning two different bodies at that point. I would more than likely buy a cinema camera, whether it's on this, on this. Well, you'd buy, you'd buy a red. Sure. But I mean, like, dude, don't even get me started. I would love to buy the red. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Breathe, breathe. Yeah. Would love to buy a red. I would definitely buy a video cam, a proper video camera. Okay. Um, and then to have a photo camera on the side. Okay. So, all right. Like the guy, the guy I follow on YouTube, Peter McKinnon, he has, which blows my mind because, like, I don't know how much money he makes now because it's not just about ad partnerships with YouTube, but like he has a C200 for his vlog that he has set up in his office, which is a $7,000 camera, cinnamon lens on the camera, road video, road NTG4 Plus, which is another 300 bucks. Zoom recorder, another three hundred bucks. He has a aperture light storm light, which is seven hundred dollars. Like, it's a, it's a twelve thousand dollars setup just to like, and it's the one shot like me in frame to like introduce the videos. It's for that one shot, like Marquez Brownlee, where you just watch and you're like, wow, yeah, must be nice. <laughs> it must be, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably futuristic, right? Like, buy a red, be done. So for right now, though, the the idea was let's get the best combination right. of photos and video in one body okay right so no other brand had any shot at that right one other brand did and that's canon right so but the caveat is um to get as good a camera in the a7r3 in a canon lineup i would have to go up to a 1dx mark ii mm-hmm. which the body alone in a 1dx mark ii a three times the size and weight gigantic the a7r yep gigantic and it's six grand just for the body. Okay. What well, what would have been the advantages? Had you spent the money? I, I obviously they have a glass advantage. Yep. Uh, which is debatable in some ways, actually. Like there are enough Zeiss lenses and adapters that the Sony glass is really catching up. But Canon just has this thirty-year advantage, right? Right. And like even now, more like Sigma just announced. Sigma just announced this past week that they are finally making native E mount lenses right. for the first time ever, which is right? fantastic. So that's, that's only going to encourage ecosystem. So then, like, 
if you watch Marcus Brownlee, most recent video about like, the ecosystem, like that's, that's big for me. I want to make sure I'm buying into a platform that their future is bright, they're innovating, and the ecosystem is only going to get better over time and not stale like Canon's arguably is right now. 100%. Um, 5D Mark IV is a testament to that. Shirts use 4K. It's a horrible Kodak. Um, the 60 Mark II is a joke that just came out. It's Anyway. Ouch. Um, We're going joke. The term joke is pretty heavy. It is. So, I mean, they, they came out with a camera in 2017 that, you know, not quite up to the specs of a 5D lineup. Like, it's the, the little sister to that, by not by much, but doesn't even shoot 4K. It's 1080p. Ouch. In 2017. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's brutal. So the only other camera I would I would get at this point would have been the 1DX Mark II. And like I just don't want to carry around that honking of a camera, even though the specs and color science of Canon, you know, you could argue that for days. Right. Well, you you like their color science. I don't. I, yeah. Most people love their color science. Sure. It's super <laughs> saturated. I yeah. hate it. Okay. So the one the one DX is from a is it a 24 megapixel is it or is it a 40 24 megapixels 22 actually no 20 yeah but still takes great oh photos. it's like it's like the s yeah interesting okay so not so not a giant sensor the the a7s is like 12 megapixels it's super small i think it's 16 but it's it's baby you're right i'll look it up for you. it's itty bitty i i yeah we're, we're gonna get to that that's that's in the question i have a question about that camera we're gonna get there <laughs> okay so now um, the most perplexing thing was this past week at WPPI, Sony came out with the A7 III. Right. Right, which, which they literally in the, the key- upgrade The upgrade to my camera. I have an A7 II. Yeah. They literally said in the keynote that this is daring to be our basic camera, right? And their basic camera is a slap to the entire industry. So 1999. 1999, 24 megapixels, shoots 4K in 30P, not 60P, which is fine. Has S-Log3, which is a huge thing for video. But the, the one thing, um, especially filming yourself, that you care so much about now in this day and age, which is also a big benefit of what Canon has with their dual pixel sensor, is autofocus for video. Yep. Um, Canon still is arguably the best. Like That's another advantage of the, the 1DX Mark II. Like dual pixel autofocus is arguably the best autofocus video that's out there on the market right now. Um, so the A7 III adopts the A9 technology. So it has 693 autofocus points as opposed to 390 some odd something that the A7R III does. Right. And that was the moment for me that I was like, oh, crap. Like, what do, what do I do? Because um, even in filming, you know, I constantly, when I film in my desk setup right now, before I ever move from the shot, I click play on my camera and watch it back to see if any part of the frame is out of focus. And arguably, every single time I sit down, one or two spots is out of focus and I have to refilm. Now, granted... The A7R2 was good at autofocus, wasn't great. The A7R3 is supposed to be fantastic. Like Philip Bloom and everybody that I know is saying, like it's it's unbelievable autofocus. So you don't have to worry about it at all. Right. You can film on the 8514 at 1.4 and get autofocus, and it's great, and you'll never miss focus, which is great. But then the A7 III adds to that, and I'm just like, I don't I don't know what to do now because like. I, I know I'm I'm hoping to only pay eighteen hundred bucks out of pocket for the A7R3, but brand new I could keep my A7R2, and then carry on the A7III, and I'm selling out an extra maybe two hundred dollars. Right. So that was the the tough choice to go back and forth, and ultimately at the end of the day, the A7III is not shipping until April 10th, and that would be past the Sony trading event, so I wouldn't get any value back from my R2. I would probably keep it, and I don't want to do that. Hmm. Okay, so this ridiculous A9 technology that they brought into it right. is a, a little bit insane. So 693 autofocus points, yeah, which is just nuts. The, yeah. the, it has that same preprocessor, right? So you've got 10, what is it, like 10 shots per second on it, I think, right? Um, which is awesome. It's in-body image stabilization, just like the A7 II. But I think they went to a different axis on that. It has S-Log2, S-Log3. So, so for 1999, yeah, this is pretty nuts. 
It's an unbelievable camera. Okay. So talk to me about why 42 megapixels for you matters. Like why, why does having that extra resolution, because all that is, is just this giant file. Sure. Which, you know, long term, and we, we say it's giant, you know, but Mark has shoots on a red and, you know, and, and has, I, I just got 10 terabytes in this drive sitting beside me on my desk, right? I would probably need four of those if I hopped up to a red. That's true. You know? Um, but like it does take a more processing power. It takes up, you know, more speed processing in the moment when you're editing. Um, ultimately it's a medium format camera in a full frame body, which is unbelievable to me. I can shoot a landscape photo and turn it into portrait, print it as a 24 by 36 and not even care about it. Mm -hmm. Like I literally, like I have a picture of Grace and I. On mounted on my wall, it's a 24 by 36. It's a landscape photo, but I cropped it in portrait mode and like I print up by that big and it's it's beautiful. Sure. Now, could I do that with a 24? Probably, maybe, but I didn't want to take the chance. Okay. Is it 8 bit versus 10 bit on the R3 to the the three? The three is eight bit, right? So it's four two oh and then four two two out of body. There's no Sony camera right now other than like the fs7 fs5 i don't even think those shoot in 10 bit for video okay that's the only camera on the market right now with the impending a7s3 launch um that shoots 10 bit in body without an external recorder is the gh5 hmm. okay even canon cameras don't shoot in 10 bit. nothing's 10 bit okay and then it has the so i'm just and i'm just checking that i'm getting this right so it has the new joystick which is great yeah and and then it has the Z-type batteries, right? So we're talking about like right. 700 shots instead of 300 like we were getting before. So you and I's problem of using these weird battery hacks are gone. We just have a good battery solution in both cameras now. Yep, right. So I'm, I might buy an extra battery, you know, just to be, because I would be stupid to not, you know, if one fails or whatever. But like realistically, I I could shoot confidently, you know, in an hour or so interview 4k and not worry about it okay so the upgrades for you so the extra thousand dollars that you're going to pay to be in the store you're in you get a better viewfinder yep do you is it 4k 60 or are you 4k 30 as well i'm 4k 30 as well okay so you get 42 megapixels 42 megapixels slightly better weather ceiling oh that's right it does have the advanced weather ceiling yeah which you don't really shoot in the rain never going to so what else I mean, I'm going to Africa, but we'll talk about that later. That sounds like a whole podcast. Yeah. Okay. So what else do you get? Uh, that's it. Okay. All that being said. You, you, you paid for more GBs. I paid for more GBs. That's it. Interesting. The a7 III is a fantastic, great camera for the money. Yeah. 15 stops of dynamic range. I would highly recommend it. Okay. So, so can I tell you why I said you should buy the a7R3? Sure. Okay. It's not just as simple as I'm going to buy the a7III and you should buy the R3. There was actually a little bit of logic in my brain. Not a lot of logic, but a little bit of logic. I'd love to hear for it because, I mean, I'm basically paying $1,200 for this logic. So there is a little bit that is actually aligned with what you just said, which is, yeah, I hear April 10th, but the truth is, when is that actually going to come out? May. I mean... To get an A7R3, I mean, I've checked Amazon every day since November, mm -hmm. and I think I've only ever had it twice where I could have got it in five days. Yeah. And even that wasn't a reputable place. I was buying it from somewhere, you know, that I didn't feel great about. Sure. I got one Adorama alert and what, maybe one or two B&H alerts. Yeah. If you get the a 7 we're really talking about May, June, or July before you have it in your hands. Right. Honestly, part of it to me was just the newborn of like, yeah, you've got to be able to get those images now. Like, this is that window to be able to collect all those great shots. Yeah. And, and so there is that. The second part is actually, so you remember when you sent me the pictures that you took where you were able to, to pull out all this detail? Right. Okay. So, so here's my, my two cents on, on it. So I, I realize that you can do that with any camera, especially with mm -hmm. as much dynamic range as in the a7 III. Yeah. But when I really think about the difference between you and I from a photography standpoint, beyond the part where you're actually good at it and I'm not, 
And the the main like core difference for me beyond just like functional understanding of how photography works mm-hmm. is that once we move past the point of we've taken the shot, I'm done. Sure. I mean, I've got some basic edits that I'm going to do. I'm going to adjust the Kelvin a little bit and get the the color that I want out of it. Right. But genuinely, like I'm pretty done right there. So for me, giving you that resolution, what I imagine happening from that is a whole bunch of really great moments where you take an image that's probably a B minus. Right. And it's an A plus when it's done. Yeah. For me, that image on the A7 III is a B minus or a C plus. On the A7R, maybe it improves a little bit mm-hmm. just because of the resolution increase. But honestly, even that's not probably going to change much, right? It's just going to be a giant version of the same crappy image I took. Sure. And then it's going to die right there. So, so for me, it makes sense to give you all this almost, you know, kind of space. And if, and if I think about it, like, if we could go back historically, and if you look, so, so I, you know, Izzy is 10 now. And I was looking the other day at images I took when she was born. Mm-hmm. And they're delightful because they're images they took that I took when she was born, but these are shot on a 1.4 megapixel, maybe two megapixel camera at best. Sure, they are noisy as all hell. Yeah, I mean the focus on this was there was like two autofocus points at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, do we even have autofocus? Was that a thing back then? <laughs> um, and, and they're great because I'll have them forever. But I, but they're not printable. They're not usable in any form other than a memory and as i think about what a real photographer can do with such a great camera like you'll be able to get more out of that than than i think you would out of the a7 III. even though i think the a7 III would have been delightful and you should have you would have loved it it would have been great right i do think i would always been i would always been guessing yeah you would have wondered yeah and, and so what's the degradation you go from 693 focus points to what what do you have like 420 um let me look 399 if it's pin sharp does it matter right no you're right i think a first you're selling yourself way short of your qualities of being a photographer but no i've seen the pictures i take i'm not (laughs) um but b like you're right like it's a bigger canvas to work with and that's that's it you know um like the shot i posted today of emma in the kitchen like covered in chocolate like maybe i could get that you know from the a7 III, but like it's just so good you know and and you haven't spent you know hundred dollars in filters and presets in lightroom and you haven't invested the time in trying to learn craft and frequency separation in photoshop either you know yeah i'm gonna learn that i i get it but um yeah i i think i'll be perfectly fi- fine you know with my purchase and hopefully that maybe this question is leading to the one that you have next but I'm, I was trying to think of a single um, feature that they could potentially come out with on the A7S Mark III, whenever that comes out. Yep. That would leave me saying, oh, man, like, I missed out. Okay. So that is my next question. So I'm, I'm making my predictions right now. Sure. Okay, so it's in-body 4K 60 frames a second. Right. It's probably ISO 7 trillion. Yeah, because yeah. that thing could just shoot in straight dark, and it doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. Um. And and my my guess is that the that they'll really focus on the video part of it, and so that right. the image stabilization will be something that's really special that really yeah. blows our mind. In that, right? Is is any of that interesting to you? Yes. I mean, yes, but um. So, like, would they bump the megapixels up to twenty? 24 like for pictures right we're still talking pictures here i I don't think so i think they'll keep it right at 16 i think they they have to because and i don't know enough about the technology to talk intelligently about this but like it's all about the oversampling from the sensor size of a still photo to get it down to 4k and what happens in that downsampling um like in 4k 60 like Sure, I upload all my Voice of Vegas's to YouTube at 4K, but like, who's playing it on 4K? What if it has 8K 30? If it has 8K 30, God bless us. All. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I just mean like, okay, so it sounds ridiculous right now because I I get it what you're saying, right? Like, who's watching it? But this is like Alex Lindsay saying, 
you know, 10 years ago, MacBreak Weekly came out, they couldn't even show it a 1080p video. Right. Like you're not buying that to record something that you care about for today. You're buying that to record something that 10 years from now you look back and say, man, that was still pretty. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing, the difference in right now, the A7R2 and the A7S2 was in their autofocusing. Yeah, absolutely. Autofocus was contrast-based and not phase detection-based. So the A7R, even as bad as the A7R2 is, it still smoked the S every day yep. because of the way it autofocuses, which is the same autofocus technology that the GH5 have, which is horrible. Right. Um, so if they come out with phase detection in the A7S III, maybe, I don't know. But like, still, I've, I've looked at footage uploaded to YouTube and Vimeo that are taken at 8-bit and then in 10-bit, and the naked eye can't see the difference. And actually, I really didn't think that you would be interested in the S. I mean, I think if you were a professional cinematographer, if you were, uh, I, I think actually you're going to become a documentarian before we're all done. And may, maybe, at, maybe at that point, like that makes a lot of sense. Um, so my question is actually, why didn't you buy the A9? Price, probably. And the A9 doesn't have picture profiles. Hmm. So like there is no S log. And now getting to log footage is a whole nother story. But like, I probably tried for a month to only shoot video in log. And at the very tail end of the month, I could confidently say I could, I could come close to replicating a natural looking image at the end of the month. Yeah. It's hard. It's not easy. It sure it's better, but like it's, it's not easy and it takes a lot more time in post process. So let's say I business has taken off. Life's good. Right. You own a red camera whatever the crazy adage they're using for the, the current one. And the, it's not a weapon. It's not a weapon anymore. Yeah. The red monstro 8k thir- super 35. Yeah. Okay. So you own that camera and, and you're just purchasing a still camera for photos of right. your children. You're going to take baby photos. What camera are you buying? And here's why I ask. Sure. I will not ever shoot a single video on this a seven three. Right. Do you know how many videos I've shot on my A7 II in the three and a half years I've owned it now? I bought it on the day it came out. A couple, maybe? At three accidentally. Three accidentally. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to record video on that. I, I have a 4K video recording machine close by that I can use. Right. Yeah, I mean, if business is going really well, I mean, you and I both love Leica, probably. Leica M, right? Did you, did you see the Nocturnal one today with the glow in the dark? Yeah. Oh, my God. God, I just, you know what I would buy is the monochrome one. Yeah, just because you can. Oh, God, because it would be so fun to shoot on that. Yeah. It would be so fun. I've never, I'm telling you, I've never had more fun in my life than shooting on that Leica. Right. It, you know what it reminded me of? Did you ever take a film, did you ever take a film class in school? Never did. So what's funny is I, I you know, I insult myself a lot about photography, but I actually grew up shooting on a, my dad bought me a, uh, a Canon Rebel you know, whatever. It wasn't digital. It shot on 35 millimeter. Mm-hmm. I was 12 years old. And uh, what had happened is they got married when I was 11. And my dad had this camera that was really nice at the time. And I took all my parents' wedding photos. So he taught me how to shoot. He taught me what an f-stop was and what a shutter speed was and what ISO was. And, and this was the day, I mean, this was film, right? So you didn't, change ISO and body, you bought different film for ISO. Yep. And uh, so I took a film class, or uh, sorry, a photography class, and I loved it. Like, I was obsessed. Right. I probably have a thousand photos printed that I went into a dark room and actually did myself. That's awesome. Right, because we had a dark room at school. And uh, so it's funny because sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do aperture. Sure. And then, I, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's just a math equation. I can do that one. Self-deprecation. It's not attractive. No, it's super charming. I really like it. It's my charm. Um, yeah, so interesting. Okay, so so I think so 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 I think you made the right choice. Okay. Okay, so talk me in or out of this. So I have an I have an A72. Okay. I have a 3-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 9-month-old. Right. I, at best, use it probably once every two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. I definitely use it on vacations. Sure. 100% on, like, 
Which you're not taking a lot these days. Nope. Birthdays. Yep. You know, like that. Holidays, things like that. Sure. I could probably get about 900 for the A7 II, which is crazy. Right. That's about what it's worth on a trade-in, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Is it worth $1,100 to have that upgrade? Because it feels like it's a hell of an upgrade. It It is quite the upgrade from... Like, most of the comparisons aren't comparing it to your camera. I know. They're comparing it to yours. Yeah. Or the A9, you know? So, like, in, in every respect, it's it's a way better upgrade than the a7 II, like in every regards absolutely in so much that they're trying to compare it to their flagship models and that's just that's enough to be said plus like i think for you like i don't know do like a 30-day challenge for yourself where you take a photo a day for 30 days and you'll start using it more you know yeah take a class at your local place of establishment that you know people can help you out with that teaches you about photography while walking that around teaches you about photography for free though you know you can walk around at your local place of businesses to learn more about yeah i feel like i had this moment where lily was born and it was just it was super logical right and it was funny because you actually mentioned this earlier and i was thinking about it when you said it which it was uh about christina like willing to invest in your you know your use as long as you'll use it right and, and i've always had that mentality right so i think about like i bought a peloton bike right for working out mm-hmm. and and it's obnoxiously expensive it just is they're very expensive yep. But you could justify it one of a trillion ways, right? How much does it save you on the cycling classes you have? Does it save your gym membership? Like, whatever. I have a very different way of looking at it. And it's very simple, but I use it for most things, which is just take the cost of the device, divide by the number of times you've used it. Are you okay? Right. Do you feel good about it? I own a Tux. It costs $1,700. I've used it once. I'm not okay right now. No. I'm not okay. Five more uses and I start to be okay. Right. But like right now, it is not worth the money. It is not, I've not gotten my money worth of it. Your ROI is definitely not there. That Peloton bike, honestly, I've used it 80 times. Yeah. Like that's cheaper than a spin class. Yeah. I'm all right. I feel good about it. Sure. And so the camera is the same way for me. Like I don't need to use it every day. I just need to do the math on how many times did you use it divided by the cost of the camera. Sure. And, and and I feel like genuinely, even though my A7 II was really expensive, and it, 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 in and of itself, I think it was like $17.99 when I bought it, and I bought a $1,000 lens, right? Right. Getting Lily's photos in it, Gavin's photos in it, it has, it has paid for itself. Sure. And not to, uh, you know, try to encourage you on the video frame, but I've seen your posts about, you know, all these music classes or recitals that you know, your daughters have coming up. So you might just happen to take that out instead, you know, maybe invest in like a, a nice little, like $50 road mic, you know, to pop on top of that. You're good to go. You know, what would do it for me, honestly, is a, a, a 24 to 200 zoom lens. The, the problem is I only shoot on that 55. Sure. And so what happens is it's, it's, it's both not wide enough and not, not, long not enough. long enough. And I love that lens. Yeah. They just came out this year with a 24 to 105. Um, and all the, f- like, this is a hidden feature, but like all the Sony cameras for video now have super 35 mode. So it gives you, you could shoot full frame. That's part of the benefit, right? But like now the difference, there's no, there used to be a difference in quality when shooting super 35 versus full frame. And now there isn't. So they're, they're almost identical. You don't lose any quality, but like if you, crop to that super 35 mode you're getting that much further reach yeah so so there's also the g master 24 to what is it 70 seven yeah god it's pretty it's heavy it is heavy it's one it's one of the options for your camera it is one of the options for my camera there was a day i was on a leave i was alone And B&H sent me a notice saying, hey, it's in stock, but only if you buy it with the 24 to 70 lens. Right. It was a, a like a pre-kitted model. Yep. And man, it was in my cart. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I just looked at the number. It was like yeah. $4,300. And I was like, 
It's a lot of money. I'm going to have to eat ramen and not like the good ramen by my, you know, like Oban, like the good quality stuff. I mean, I'm going to have to eat like yeah. top ramen. <laughs> not so good. I would. So if I were you, I would seriously look at getting the three, hmm. but also look at getting the 24 to 105 they came out with this year. Yeah. So. Okay. So, so I have an unnamed friend that uh, is a enthusiast photographer. Here's how I will describe this person. They're, they're learning photography. They are incredibly learning agile, so they're picking it up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, their purpose is to use it for a budding business where they're going to take a lot of photos of uh, some vehicles and some cool stuff like that. Right. Uh, they're not really price conscious. They're happy to spend when it makes sense. Right. Um, is it the uh, used A7 II, used A7R2, A7 III, or A7R3? couple questions so money's not a really big deal yeah i mean you know the person a little bit so yeah it doesn't it's not like uh infinite money but sure they wouldn't be sad to pay a little extra if it meant it was worth it where and when are they taking these photos uh uh, lots in the mud lots in the mud um in a desert lots of action shots um you know I think mostly in daylight. There'll be some night shots, but mostly in daylight. And what is their experience so far with like photography, videography? Uh, APS-C sensor, uh, you know, shooting an aperture priority primarily. So right. I, I would say decent understanding, right? That's intermediate level at least. Yeah. Um, and willing to learn more. So close-ups or lots of like big frame, everything's in focus. Like do they need the... The super, super blurry background. No, they don't. All right. I'd tell them to get the same thing you got. So A7 III. 24 to 105. He's 24 to one. I was going to say to just buy the G Master 24 would be good. If you buy the 24 to 70 G Master, it's fantastic. It goes on 2A. No, no, no. Not the 24 to 70. Uh, the one that you bought that you returned. The ultra wide. The Oh, the 12 to 24? Yeah. They're, they're, they're shooting a vehicle. Why not? That lens is great. It's great. It is super wide. But they're not shooting any people. And okay. And then you just buy an eighty-five on the side. Okay, so if that's an option, I would get the twelve to twenty-four and the eighty-five one four. Right. The eighty eighty-five one four G Master, like twenty-one hundred dollars. Yep. That's your portrait lens. A hundred percent. Amazing in every risk. If with Sony's eye autofocus, you can nail focus every time. Perfect lens. But get the 12 to 24 for super landscape out in the desert, you know, awesome wide shots. Yep. And then by the A7 III, not the R3. Correct. Yeah, because they're not an editing genius. So it makes sense to just buy the camera. It's going to shoot out a body, something beautiful. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. That's what I recommended too. I mean, you can get an A7R2. The nice thing is you can pick up your camera right now for like 1800 bucks, brand new. Yeah. I mean, you can get a great deal on it, which is... Feels like a steal to me, but the A7, that was a steal when the A7R3 was the only option. Mm-hmm. But it feels like the A7 III puts the, R, puts the R2 to shame. Especially with the frames per second. Yeah. Like, especially if they're ever going to be filming in any motion. 10 frames a second. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, that process. That's what I, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. God, that camera's going to be so nice. I w- so the only thing... I kind of want to like take a second look at the 24 to 105. Not it's it's it has a G on it, but it's not a full G master. Yeah, is because the lens also adds optical stabilization. But why do you need that if there's in body image stabilization? What's the point? You can't double stabilize. Yeah, you can. Does I thought it disabled it. I think it, it's still worth it to be honest. So I mean, 24 is is wide, but 12 is super wide. 12 is crazy wide. I can send you some shots. They're they're borderline fisheye, right? Yeah, it's not much distortion, um, is, but there is quite a bit. Of is there any chromatic aberration in the corners? No, really. Gosh, you would have thought. That's my only worry: is this glass gets so clean, is that you start to? I mean, you have to have aberration at some point. Uh, digga digga digga. Did I tell you I got a drone? No, which one did you buy? The Mavic Air. Is it good? It's amazing. It looks for me that feels like the perfect one. It's like not the, it's not the Spark. It's not the cheap one, right? It's also not the Pro, and it's not ridiculous. It's just like a really great hobbyist drone. That's it, man. Um, does it? How does it do with wind? 
they're pretty good at balancing it's pretty good um you know you definitely get the wind warning you know on the screen and stuff but like it's it's the valley i mean you live in phoenix it's super windy there too but like i've taken it out in the wind a couple times and it's been fine yeah um good price too the kicker is this it it's 100 megabits a second in 4k which is the same as my sony camera that's nuts yeah so like it's not tiny sensor though tiny sensor um you know it the i was really close to pulling the trigger on the spark doesn't shoot 4k the pro i was like ah baby but like it's just something about the form factor it's it's unreal um yeah i i love it the 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 phantoms n- never made sense to me because like i would never travel with those you know right um so yeah like this like my wife was anti-drone for the longest time because she never saw like a need for it and she never saw me practically traveling with it, but like it it literally is perfect i love it the problem with the spark for me is or not a spark the uh air for me is i would fly it over my neighbor's lawns to look at landscaping and i wouldn't have any other use for it <laughs> yeah i got nothing <laughs> 